Greetings and welcome to another episode of From John to Justin, where right now I'm looking at every single election in Canadian history, every single day for 36 days, during the time we have an election right now. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have three other podcasts out there. Canadian History X, which releases every single Wednesday and Saturday, Coast to Coast, which releases every single Thursday, and Canada's Great War, which releases every single Friday. I do all these podcasts full-time. The writing, the research, everything. So, every dollar you give helps keep it all going. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. And if I sound a bit different, that's because I'm not in my usual studio. I'm out on the road right now, visiting historical sites in Alberta to make episodes and videos. So, right now, I'm recording in my hotel room in Lloydminster. When 1891 came along, the country was soon plunged into a new election campaign, and this one would be notable for many reasons. The first was that it would be the last election campaign for Sir John E. Macdonald, who would die only three months after the election while still in office. That death would begin a decline for the Conservatives that saw them go through four Prime Ministers in only five years. The second notable aspect of the election was that it was the first in which Wilfrid Laurier served as leader of the Liberal Party, a position he would hold until 1919, longer than anyone else in Canadian history. The Conservatives once again campaigned on the national policy, while emphasizing stability under the leadership of Macdonald. The campaign slogan would be, the old flag, the old policy, the old leader. The old flag referred to Macdonald's support of the British Empire. The old policy referred to the national policy, and the old leader was, of course, Macdonald. A very famous poster from that campaign showed Macdonald on the shoulders of an industrial worker and a farmer, representing the rural and urban interests of Canada. The poster shows Macdonald to be elite, but helped by the common man. And not everyone believed the poster. An editorial in the Victoria Daily Times stated, quote, If the old flag is good, why does Sir John discriminate against the country whose name it bears? If the old leader is honest, why does he not address the electors manfully? If the old flag, the old policy, and the old man are so good, why, oh why, has the population of Canada been decreased during the reign of the old man under the old policy of protection? End quote. The Liberals supported implementing free trade with the United States, which was still an unpopular idea for the time. Laurier knew little of tariffs and other items of trade with the United States, but he wanted something that was clear and opposite the Liberals to campaign on. The choice by the Liberals to focus on free trade resulted in the Conservatives making the election an election of patriotism, with Macdonald hinting that any such deal with the United States would result in the takeover of Canada. It may seem like such a thing would be unlikely, but at the time, they were only 70 years removed from the War of 1812, the same distance we were removed from the Second World War. The Conservative plan worked as several voters believed the Liberals were looking to give Canada over to the Americans. One Fredericton farmer, who was unnamed, was quoted in the Montreal Gazette stating, quote, The people of Canada are not so blind, but that they can see through these Liberal junketings to New York, Boston, and Washington. They recognize these insidious enemies of their country and will give their answer at the polls. MacDonald would say, quote, Every American statesman covets Canada. The greed of its acquisition is still on the increase. End quote. 
During the campaign, MacDonald would tell a crowd in Toronto on February 7th, quote, As for myself, my course is clear. A British subject I was born, a British subject I will die. With my utmost effort, with my latest breath, will I oppose the veiled treason which attempts by sordid means and mercenary proffers to lure people from their allegiance, end quote. At the same time, the Conservatives were dealing with the issues of corruption when it was discovered that MP J.C. Reichert had taken $50,000 in a shady sale of timber permits in the Cypress Hills. He resigned over the issue, but that wasn't the only scandal. Thomas McGreevy was accused of accepting huge campaign contributions in the previous election in order to give a Quebec contractor advancing interests in public works projects. This was done at the behest of Hector Louis Lagavin, one of the closest friends of MacDonald, and who many saw as his successor. With the scandals piling up, MacDonald chose to push an election before things got too bad. Even MacDonald realized this, stating, quote, I'm a good deal discouraged as to our future because our ministry is too old and too long in office, end quote. At the time, MacDonald was 75 years old and had been in public service for roughly 50 years. Timothy Anglin, a former member of Parliament with the Liberals who served from 1867 to 1882, even charged that MacDonald had only called the election to benefit his party. MacDonald would say in a speech on February 6, three days after dissolving Parliament, quote, The policy we introduced in 1878 we're going to stand by. Look how it's built up the country. Look at Toronto, Montreal, the towns throughout the country. End quote. MacDonald had only planned to direct the campaign from Toronto, but since it was looking to be closer than expected, he had hit the campaign trail. Even at 75, though, he was still a skilled politician, and he was able to turn the idea of free trade with the Americans into the main issue, pushing any scandals from only a month previous away from the minds of voters. On February 9th, he would give a speech where he would state his goal was to, quote, "...foster and develop the varied resources of the Dominion by every means in our power, consistent with Canada's position as an integral portion of the Empire." End quote. This all came at a toll for MacDonald, though. He would give his last major speech of the campaign on February 25th, and after he was said to have stumbled out of the room, not from drunkenness, as it happened in the past, but from exhaustion. The Montreal Gazette would report, quote, Sir John MacDonald spoke for one hour, remarking that he felt the weight of age and the labours undertaken for the past week or ten days, end quote. He would not travel again for the rest of the election, and all campaign activities were conducted from his brother-in-law's house in Kingston. Sir Charles Tupper, one of the leaders of the Conservative Party, took on a lot of the campaigning for MacDonald. Tupper, who was seen as an heir to MacDonald and who would eventually become Prime Minister, albeit for 69 days, toured through Ontario in February, campaigning for the party. Speaking in Ottawa, Tupper would say on February 26th, quote, Sir John is certain of success in Ontario. He will receive a more magnificent endorsement from that province this time than ever before. I addressed crowded, unanimous, and enthusiastic meetings at Kingston, Toronto, Hamilton, Strathroy, London, and Windsor, and in every one of these places there were more who could not get inside than got there. End quote. Betting, of course, continued prior to the election as well. The odds were 4-1 to one that the Conservatives would maintain their government, and few went against this bet. For Sir John A. Macdonald in his own riding of Kingston, even money was on the bet that he would win, but 2-1 to one that his majority would not be 100. As it turned out, he won by over 500 votes. In Brandon, Manitoba, betting was reported to be quite high, with some volunteering for campaigns to help influence the odds. 
One man in Toronto put down a bet of $1,000 to $100 that Macdonald would have a 15 majority in the province of Ontario. Needless to say, that man did not win the bet. The Liberals would gain 10 seats, reaching their highest total since 1874, with 90 seats. It was not enough to prevent the Conservatives from having a majority, though. The Conservatives won all the seats in British Columbia, most of the seats in Manitoba and Nova Scotia, but mostly split Ontario with the Liberals. Thanks to Wilfrid Laurier being the first francophone leader of the Liberals, the party was able to take 33 seats in the province, while the Conservatives took 27. This was the first time the Liberals had more seats in Quebec than the Conservatives since 1874. Without Macdonald, it's likely that Laurier and the Liberals would have won the election, but his skillful use of the rallying cry of loyalty to Canada and against free trade was highly effective. There was also the gerrymandering conducted by the Conservatives over the previous four years that changed the boundaries of local ridings to benefit Conservative candidates. There would of course be drama, but things were beginning to settle down after the rough and tumble 1870s and 1880s in Canadian elections. For the first time ever, two candidates received the same amount of votes. In Brome, Quebec, where the tie occurred, the returning officer had to act as tiebreaker, with Daniel Bishop Meigs winning. The Manitoba Free Press would report that in Kingston, for Macdonald's last election, quote, The returns were read with wild cheers at the newspaper offices and the city hall. Nearly every polling booth in the city gave Macdonald majorities. End quote. For the election as a whole, the newspaper would state, quote, For those who bet that Macdonald would be elected, the world today is merry. The sun shines, soft zephyrs fan the brow, the delicate incense of midsummer fields permeates the atmosphere. Birds trill their merriest rounds. Lay from yonder blossomed, the brooks sing silvery songs of gladness. End quote. On April 29th, a feeble Macdonald opened the new session of Parliament, and he looked quite bad. On May 12th, he suffered a minor stroke while talking to the Governor-General, Lord Stanley. When Lord Stanley asked if he wanted to lie down, Macdonald said, quote, There is no use. The machine is worn out. End quote. Within a month, on June 6th, Macdonald was dead from a severe stroke. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at the 1891 election. Tomorrow will be the election of 1896, a major one in Canadian history. Information from Maclean's Canadian Encyclopedia, Wikipedia, Biography, The Conspiracy That Never Was, Archive History, Manitoba Free Press, The Montreal Gazette, and The Victoria Daily Times. Thanks. We'll see you again next time. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.